0: Believe it or not, Election Day is just 54 days away. The San Diego Union-Tribune and 10 News recently polled Californians living in the 50th Congressional District. The poll found that the race was tight. Democrat Amar kampo had 46%, and former Congressman Daryl Issa had 45% of the vote. This race presents a powerful metonymy for this moment of cultural change. A former congressman who championed the Benghazi era versus a young man of Palestinian and Mexican descent, representing a more diverse America. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Charles Clark, you're the politics reporter for the San Diego Union-Tribune, and we're getting close to the election, even though it feels like we've been stuck in the same month for six of them. But let's understand this race itself. Let's start with the fundamentals. What is the 50th District, and what does that voting block look like?
1: Right. So the 50th district is, you know, arguably the last I think one of the last remaining Republican strongholds in the state of California. It's certainly the last in San Diego County. Um, and even stronghold might be underselling it a bit. I mean, this general geographic area, although the demog although it's been redrawn right, the district boundaries, it's had a Republican man representing it at least 40 years. Probably longer. I didn't really go past Duncan Hunter Sr. Um, As far as the actual boundaries of it today, it includes most of eastern San Diego County, parts of inland North County, and a small southern portion of Riverside. Uh, The district is overwhelmingly Republican still, uh, like an 11 point advantage. Or, you know, I think when we looked at it, kind of what we did with the poll was it was, you know, it was pretty much on par with registration. It was 41% Republicans and like 34% Democrats and then the remaining were independents. Um, But yeah, it's it's truly, uh, I think, a shock to a lot of political observers that that we're even having a conversation about this race.
0: Mm -hmm. And this race has two very distinct characters, one of which has been in California politics for a long time. Can you give us some background of Daryl Issa for people who may not be familiar?
1: Right, so Daryl Issa served in Congress for 18 years. He came in in 2000. He previously represented mostly northern, north coastal San Diego County, what is now the 49th congressional district. Um, he stepped away from his seat in 2018 um, as that district got very, very competitive. Now, he contends that he did that to take an administri- take a post with the Trump administration. Um, that ended up not working out due to uh, it getting hung up in the Senate. Uh, and then he decided to run for the 50th district. Um, now, Daryl Issa is not only known throughout San Diego County, because for many, many years, he was the face of the congressional delegation. Um, But he's also a national figure, because he was the head of the House Oversight Committee during the Obama years. Um, And he became kind of a fixture of cable news, uh, I think was called the chief antagonist of Barack Obama. Obama even came out here to campaign against him uh, in 2016. Um, So he was pretty adamant. You know, he's been in the public eye for a long time. Uh, He also, when he was in Congress, was the wealthiest member of Congress, uh, a multimillionaire who made his fortune through a a car alarm company. Um, Some of our older audience probably knows the Viper car alarm. He is literally the voice of Viper, step away from the vehicle. Um, So a really prominent figure, really bright guy, very charismatic. um, Definitely, I think when people see him, they think of kind of a traditional politician.
0: Mm-hmm. And what are some key things you need to know about Amar Kompanyar, who's, you know, kind of only been in politics since uh, about, you know, 2017-ish?
1: Right. So Amar is now 31 years old. Um, he ran against Duncan in 2018. Um, and at the time, he was largely unknown. I mean, no one really paid attention to him um, until Hunter's indictment. Uh, and then even after that, you know, the National Democrats he may not put it this way, but I will, they didn't touch it. They, they really, this was such a Republican district that they didn't even care to get involved when the incumbent, as we now know, was on his way to federal prison. Um, but Amar stuck with it. He ran what objectively, I think, would be described as a impressive campaign, especially on his own as a first-time candidate. He came within 3.4 percentage points of beating Duncan. He then, after taking a month off, instantly in January of 2019 said you know what I'm going to go for this again Um, which I think caught a lot of people by surprise they thought he might look to go to a more favorable district or run for a different seat Um, but you know if you speak with him and it's pretty clear I think people who see him and part of why you see him catching on with a lot of people is he is truly you know an East County son he's from Eastern San Diego County he takes a lot of pride in that he's very defensive about East San Diego County and some of the things that national media things, say about them, um, may pigeonhole them. Um, and, you know, he grew up there, and I think the line you often hear him say is, you know, this community served me, I want to serve them. Um, and he worked at a church in San Diego County uh, for a long time. It was kind of like in youth ministry, sort of. Um, and then before he went out and worked for the Labor Department under Barack Obama uh, before coming back to San Diego. Mm-hmm.
0: And kind of zooming out a little bit, what are some of the factors that has caused this district from being so reliably read to more of a battleground?
1: Right. So I think like much of California, right, there there is a demographic shift. Um, now, with that being said, the 50th is lagging behind in that, right? It, it isn't shifting as fast as we've seen, right, with the city of San Diego, right, or other places throughout California. Um, actually, the way one political science professor put it to me is San Diego County more largely is like several decades behind the shift that San Francisco and L.A. went through. Um, And now we seem to be there. Uh, You know, I think the big thing's factoring into this race, right? Because as I noted, it still is a very Republican district. I mean, Republican leaning is understating it. Um, But it's kind of this confluence of events, right? That the former congressman who it's hard to remember, right, in pandemic times as everything's a blur. I mean, he only stepped down in January, Right, like he finally pled guilty. Duncan Hunter Jr., you know, as we, you know, Morgan Cook reported, the heck out of it. Um, you know, illegal campaign spending. Ultimately, pled guilty. He stepped down. So there's a bit of a stain for that. Um, but then, when you combine that with everything else going on nationally, is kind of I think Carl Luna, who I quoted in our story, as he kind of points out, it's just been a really bad several months for the Republican brand, and even in a place like. San, you know east San Diego county inland north county and southern riverside it does appear that's having an impact right you have the the pandemic economy which has been devastated you have the pandemic overall which even prior to the news today right about the tapes about president trump downplaying it and admitting it on tape you know even before that there was a lot of criticism of his handling of the pandemic and i would argue that's part of the face. Ramf- what you've been seeing in the polls um he certainly hasn't regained the popularity that he once had um and then you know it's kind of building off of that right that and i think it's kind of the the thing that probably is the biggest indicator to all of us that this is more competitive than we thought you know this was a district that voted for trump by 15 points in 2016 they voted for mitt romney by 24 points uh, or 23 points in 2012 now according to our poll Joe Biden is favored by three points there. Um, and although that's with the margin of error, right, it could be Trump still by a point. That is a dramatic shift for an area where the registration hasn't I, – I, has certainly not changed to the degree that that would be what you'd expect. I mean, as Carl Luna told me, he's like, I, I, I've never seen that in San Diego County. Just – it is truly striking. Mm-hmm.
0: And one other point when it comes to the pandemic, uh, if you look at where a lot of the deaths have occurred, according to the county, the majority of them are in that region. Uh, They give us kind of vague information, but the majority is kind of in the southeastern part of San Diego County. So it's possible that these voters are more touched by the pandemic than people who, you know, live in other places where it hasn't been as bad.
1: Yeah, that's an excellent point, Daniel. And I think even when you look at kind of the campaigning, right, of the two candidates, I I would certainly think just given how we've seen them approach this during this, that they probably would think that's the case as well, right? Like Mark Dampinajar more or less turned his campaign apparatus into like a a PSA caseworker thing. And and Daryl Issa, you know, similarly in many ways, kind of spent his whole time focusing on small businesses. I mean, that's been most of what you've seen him do. He's been on KUSI and a lot of other places really pushing that. So definitely I think the sense is there from people on the ground in the campaigns, that that is uh, an issue here,
0: mm-hmm. and also with that being said, uh, a Democratic challenger in a red district can't exactly run with you know a AOC squad kind of argument. So, what has Amar Khanbashar done to appeal to more moderate and even Republican voters?
1: Right. So I, I think you know his his pitch really isn't all that different from when he ran against Duncan originally. You know, I think he contends that he kind of got a bit sidetracked from really letting people know who he really was you know he truly has walked i think that moderate lane at least with what he's been saying publicly and what he's asked about you know he he was against the gas tax you know even though that was a state law he was one of the few democrats locally who was pretty adamantly opposed to it um but more than that you often hear him talk about look i'm not going there to you know kowtow to any political party. I'm going there to represent you guys. I'm one of you guys. Um, you know, I grew up here. I didn't have a ton. I want to serve you. I want to give this community back what it's given me. And it, I mean, certainly the polling suggests that that has a certain appeal to people. Um, now, I, I think, you know, where it'll be interesting, right, is as we get more aggressive in the campaigns and attack ads, I, I'm sure Congressman is- or former Congressman Issa in his campaign will try to tie Amar to Nancy Pelosi and, you know, the AFCs and other people like that, who obviously there is much more disdain for um, within the party. I mean, uh, I think kind of returning to your original question as I get a little off there, I think the best comment that I've heard that I think kind of um, brings together kind of his campaigning is that, uh, you know, there was a, su- not a supporter, but someone who actually supports someone else uh, who I read wrote that, you know, after seeing Amar speak, he is exactly the kind of Democrat you would want in this district. But the problem is he still has a D next to his name when he appears on the ballot. Um, and I think that's going to be the real question here is are people able to look past that to move in a different direction?
0: Mm-hmm. And have you noticed any uh, strategic changes from the ISA campaign? Because with support for Trump flagging, you really can't you know, hang your hat on that exactly and also, he represented a different area. So you could argue that he's a carpetbagger, which is a point that our political columnist Michael Smolens has made in the past. So generally, what is his strategy?
1: Right. Well, I think, you know, he's really run on the fact that I am the, quote, true conservative in the race, right? Like, even when he faced off against Carl Mayo in the primary, um, which was another factor that I think them battering each other probably factored to this poll a bit you know, he really was, their fight was over who's the most conservative and who's the biggest supporter of Trump. As far as the first part of your question, whether he's going to change strategy with how he approaches Trump, I mean, I doubt it. Um, You know, we certainly haven't seen it yet. This appears to be, you know, new, new news to us, you know, this dramatic change in the district. I don't know if that'll change his calculus going forward. We haven't really heard him say that before. I mean, if you look at past polls where he's been interviewed, you know, his response was, you know, more or less, you don't run a campaign based off of the poll, right? Yeah, I'm not going to change my positions because of that. I think he really wants to run on. I am going to be the conservative voice for you. I'm a true conservative. Camp in a jar is not. He's really a, you know, a, a very liberal Nancy Pelosi puppet in disguise. Um, and I, I'd venture, I guess, that's the strategy to go with for them because of the makeup of the district, right? And, you know, to the former congressman's credit, his history does speak to the fact that he is a, you know, good Republican soldier and has been a, a pretty staunch conservative his entire career. Um, so, so it'll be very interesting to see. As far as the carpet bagging thing, you know, I, it's, I, I don't know if any of us really know what the impact of that is. Is that something that lands with them? Obviously, Amar Jar is in a position where he can use that a bit more than someone like Carl DeMaio did because Kampanajar actually does live in the district and his family there. Um, But at the same time, you know, before district boundaries were redrawn, ISA did represent like a third of the district or something like that. Um, Also, he was part of the San Diego County delegation, right? And most of these people probably know him anyway. Um, Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think the one other aspect I'd add of that, not to go on too long, is just I, I am curious with, you know, the, the aspect of the other aspect of the poll that kind of caught my eye was the fact that uh, about a third of the voters who said they're going to support Daryl Issa mm-hmm. do so with reservations. Right. And I'd really love to know what those reservations are. Right. Is it about his past, which is certainly interesting, but we're not going to get into that today. Um, is it about the carpetbagging accusations or what we don't really know. Um, but it is a striking contrast. Their reservations to support him to people who are supporting Amar Kampanajar, where it's only 15% of his voters seem to have that same kind of feeling.
0: Mm -hmm. And also at this point of the race, uh, has there been any conversations about uh, Amar Kampanajar's race? Because in the 2018 election, Hunter did kind of stoke those fears. And, you know, sometimes those attacks work for, you know, older, less diverse audiences.
1: Right. Um, so thus far, I don't think we've seen any direct attacks in the way that Duncan did, certainly, right? Duncan was pretty blatant about it. I mean, he didn't even try to masquerade it as anything else, right? He ran an ad saying his opponent's a terrorist, like, you, you, you know, and accusing him of being tied to Muslim extremists, which, again, a, in a Jar is not even Muslim. Um, but, you know, with ISA certainly publicly I'm not aware of us seeing that yet. Um, it's certainly something we're all watching out for. Um, I mean, the added kind of odd element to that is you would think Isa, who is of Lebanese descent, as I, if I'm recalling correctly, I mean, it'd be a little strange, I think for him to go the race way. I I certainly would suspect he's probably a bit more sensitive to that than Duncan was. Um, now, with that being said, you know, in a tight race, does that mean, you know, he doesn't do a whisper campaign or something else to tie into some of those other things that, you know, as much as some of Duncan's stuff was blatant, part of the reason it was arguably effective was there was misinformation out there, particularly about Campan and Jar's grandfather, which we wrote in depth about. And I'd encourage everyone who has any questions about it to go find that piece, because I can confidently say it's the most comprehensive thing on that man that's probably ever been written. Um, But I don't know. I mean, there's enough confusion there that it'll be interesting to watch and see if that's the route the ICE campaign decides to go. Mm -hmm.
0: And also uh, California has long voted by mail. It seems that, you know, this change won't be a huge change for California, but you're seeing an increased push for people to vote as soon as they possibly can. Do you expect that to kind of change some of the messaging that would typically occur in a campaign? Like, do we expect kind of the the attacks to come sooner than normal?
1: That's an excellent question. Um, You know, I'm not really sure. I, I guess as I kind of think about it, you know, freewheeling off of it, I don't know if camp, you know, campaigning, I could see not necessarily from the attack standpoint, I I feel like we're there now, like you're two months out, they're going to start doing it. Um, But I I guess kind of one aspect I'll be curious to watch is for each campaign, how do they approach get out the vote efforts, right? Because traditionally, you have a variety of ways to do that. And a lot of it, you know, even is on election day, like getting people to the polls, you know, given that and we even saw this in our poll that, you know, the majority of voters are preferring to vote by mail. That has long been the case in San Diego County where nearly three fourths of our registered voters are registered to be permanent mail ballot voters. Um, Now, what you saw in our poll though, is that there does appear to be an emerging divide between Democrats who say, that is the way I'm going to vote in this election and Republicans who are saying, I want to vote in person. which makes sense given obviously the rhetoric we've heard coming from Donald Trump and his administration trying to um, delegitimize, you know, vote by mail. Obviously, Congressman Is- former Congressman Issa was part of a lawsuit to try to prevent California from sending every registered voter a mail ballot. Um, so I'll be curious to see how they approach that. I-, I think the one thing to keep in mind that we all have to be really mindful of and probably emphasize to everyone in San Diego County to prepare for with this is that election night, you are I can I'm ninety-five percent sure you are not going to know the winner of this race election night. Like you're not gonna comfortably be able to say that. It may even be a case where election night, say ISA is up by eleven points. Well, because eighty, you know, percent of Democratic voters or something cast their ballot by mail, those aren't, you know, counted as quickly. So it could very easily be he leads by 11 points and that evaporates. I mean, even going back to 2018, Duncan led by, I believe, 11 points on election night. End result, he only won by 3.4. So uh, I do think people really need to be mindful of that. That's something we all want to be really aware of um, with watching this, just because there's a delayed result does not mean it is a illegitimate contest. Um, You know, I can confidently say we have one of the most respected registrar of voters you know, not just in California, but probably in the country. And we have long, um, you know, done vote by mail better, you know, and more effectively than a lot of other places.
0: Mm -hmm. And finally, as we are in this final stretch, are are there any key dates to kind of be aware of as we get to these last two months before it actually happens?
1: Right. So we'll get, uh, I know of at least two debates we're getting between uh, former Congressman Issa and Camp Najar. Uh, One is on October 1st, I believe, is the plan. The other is on October 8th. Um, I'm sure we'll be all watching those closely. Um, And then the other big thing, right, is early next month, folks, keep an eye out because you're going to be getting a ballot in the mail. Um, And, yeah, it's probably in your best interest if you know who you want to vote for. If you're decided at that point, get that thing in early. Um, Takes it off of your back. It's prepaid postage. It also will, I think, make things certainly smoother uh, for our registrar. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. And finally, uh how are you feeling about this pandemic election? Uh, you know, this is a a big newsworthy moment. We haven't been in the newsroom for 6 months. How is planning going?
1: It's um it's certainly made it more complicated. Um I think also adjusting to the difference in campaigning style is kind of it's weird, you know. Frankly, I think one of my favorite things about doing this, although I don't love necessarily covering races one thing that's really great about it is usually when you have campaign events and things you get to go out and meet people right like our readers and you know people who aren't our readers maybe they're not even fans but it's nice to hear from real people who aren't like in the thick of this um and you do at least to this point you've lost quite a bit of that um hopefully there's ways that'll change you know zoom and things like that but it'll It's certainly made everything more complicated um, for us. I know it's made things more complicated for campaigns. Um, And I I would venture a guess for residents, you know, you're going to be getting a lot more political advertising mail, probably. You're going to see a lot more TV ads and things because they can't go out and necessarily meet you face to face. Um, And then I'd venture a guess if I was a resident in East County or, you know, Southern Riverside or Inland North, uh, it would be kind of disappointing, right, that you don't get a chance to meet some of these guys in person. Um, didn't really get to to know them and ask the questions you want. But uh, yeah, we're we're all adjusting. I I'd certainly would say, you know, things could be a lot worse. I, I've got it a lot better than uh, as you previously mentioned in this. Right, there's a lot of people in in particular in that area of San Diego County who have been hurt a heck of a lot worse from this.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, Charles Clark. Thank you so much. Thanks, Daniel. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. As our reporters, photographers, and editors are covering the Valley Fire, I wanted to let you know that we've made our fire coverage free as a public service. If you are not yet a subscriber, please consider joining. We've got a great deal for listeners like you. Just go to sandiegoyontribune.com slash livestreamoffer. That's sandiegoyontribune.com slash livestreamoffer. Until next time.